Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome, everyone. Glad you're here. We're using Even Mystics Have Bills to Pay this month, and I particularly enjoy this book for a couple reasons. First of all, it shows us how we can be spiritual beings but still living in a material world, right? We, we have to be Madonna at the same time that we have to be mystics. The other reason, though, that I, I like it is it does have an actual 40-day abundance plan in the back. And I'm really urging people this month to consider buying the book because the 40-day abundance plan in the back is unlike any of the ones that I've seen before. And it really is orienting you towards not figuring out money, but figuring out your relationship to God. And from that perspective, I think it's unique and different, and I highly recommend it. I'll guide you through day one of the 40-day plan later in my talk to, to show you how it works, and I think you'll be impressed by it. It's a great plan. Okay, where I do want to start today, though, is with the joke. <laughs> the visiting preacher was really getting the revival congregation moving. Near the end of the sermon in the large tent, he said, this church has got to learn how to walk forward into the future. To which someone in the back yelled, let her walk, preacher, let her walk. The preachers then said, and if this church is going to go forward, it's got to get up, it's got to run. And someone in the back of the room yelled again, let her run, preacher, we're ready for her to run. While feeling the surge of the church, the preacher then said, even a little louder, if this church is going to really go somewhere, it's going to fly. And once again, in the back of the room, several people, let her fly, preacher, let her fly. Well, he was emboldened. So in that moment, he said, very simply, and if this church is going to fly, it's going to need some money. (laughs) A hush fell over the crowd. And then someone in a quiet but audible voice said, let her walk, preacher. Let her walk. How many of you have felt the idea of finances just deflate your aspirations, right? Haven't we all had great and wonderful plans, whether it's for a a vacation, whether it's a, a new career opportunity, whether we have sights on a new house or whatever, and then suddenly reality as it appears in our finances just squashes it down. Well, I'm going to tell you a good news and a bad news story, and you're going to have to suffer through the bad news first. The bad news is God does not respond to your needs. I'm going to say it one more time. God does not actually respond at all to your needs. And I think intuitively you know this is true. If you look around the world, are there not thousands of people in need of healing or people in countries that are impoverished and literally have to worry from day to day maybe where their food or shelter would come from? Now, you may think that somehow there's a problem with God then, but I want to suggest The reason we think that is because we have anthropomorphized God. We're thinking if God were a superhuman up in the sky, 
she or he would look down and seek out the person that needs and somehow get them to the place over here where the need would be satisfied, right? But see, that's us thinking of God like it's some mastermind person rather than a benevolent and loving force. God, sadly, does not respond to our needs. And, and if you think about it even further, it makes sense from a science of mind perspective too. Because when we're highlighting our need, when we're highlighting what we're lacking, it's like we're a broadcasting station for lack. If you believe in that theory that birds of a feather flock together, have you ever noticed that when you're complaining, there's always a group willing to complain with you? <laughs> right? And suddenly we're all talking about how our finances are failing or, or how love isn't what we thought it would be, or, right? It's that sort of pity party that gathers more pityers and, and moves on. Let me read to you how Jim Rosemary talks about this. He says, needs are not the real issue. When we focus upon what we lack, we experience anxiety and a sense of inadequacy. At first, there may be hope. A, a check may come in the mail, but it quickly dissipates in the face of another call from a creditor, an unexpected bill, a canceled order, or a failed job interview. Focusing upon the need and trying in the human world to meet it are the methods of the past millennium. The new millennium demands that we put aside our focus on needing. A life of quality does not begin with what is lacking. And so we're going to talk quite a bit this month in general about the idea of switching from our need-based experience of the world. First of all, let me just say, none of us are alone in this, right? I think we're trained from the earliest age to try to correct that which isn't working well. Does that make sense? Uh, from the youngest age, something is lacking or something needs to be improved upon, and we seem to spend 80% of our time working on what we see as the 20% of our life that isn't going well or is in lack or is underfunded or where there are troubles going on. The trouble with that is when we focus our attention on what's missing or what needs improving, we get more of that. The trouble is our focus on the lack itself is what's fueling that lack into the future. I want to make a suggestion, and this is a tough one because it's pretty endemic in society. Whether you look in the news that's going on right now, whether you look in quarterly earnings report from your financial planner, whether you even just look at a accounting report, if there's ever some place where you, you're not meeting the budget, it turns into red, right? It's like we highlight what's missing as a society. And that is the reason that so much appears to be missing. So instead, what we're going to be talking about this month is how do we completely shift that? How do we begin spending 80% of our time focused on what is working well and how we see ourselves doing well? rather than what's missing and why my life is a mess. 
So I'm going to ask you to really suspend some of our training from the earliest ages. I'm going to ask you to ignore all kinds of messages out in the world that we're doing terrible and we're at a high risk and, uh, you know, the government is falling apart and on and on. All those messages, if you internalize them, if you accept them, will bring you an even more intense experience of the same. God will not respond to your needs. God will highlight what you're focusing on. So if you're focusing on trouble, if you're focusing on what's missing or a lack of love or a lack of joy or a lack of peace, oh my gosh, i got to get to the good news part of this story, don't I? <laughs> so how can we begin making this shift? Well, first of all, the shift happens in our mind first. The shift of focusing in on the positive aspect of our lives, of course, has to start first. And Jim Rosemersey says that when we're able to do that, when we're able to have an acceptance of our life as it is now and a picture of a rosy future, our needs don't even matter anymore. They are simply supplied to us. I want to give you an example, and I, and I know this is a story that I've told before, but it's been a little while, and I guess I need to set the background a bit. So about 13 years ago, I got laid off from a 20-year career with the telephone company, and um, it was interesting. There were some c uh, concerns for me. I wasn't quite ready for retirement still had a, a nice big mortgage to be paying on and so forth. And so to begin with, when you're out of work, there's a little anxiety going around money. At the same time, my mom fell ill. Uh, and although, of course, she had Medicare and some other things, I was helping to support her in living in a, in a retirement home. And so uh, that had been new to me as well. So not only was I paying for myself, but I was helping out of my mom. And at the same time, I felt called to begin my ministerial studies. Okay, so that kind of set the stage for you. And I'm on a plane on my way to Encinitas, California, where it was the campus I chose to go to Holmes Institute in ministerial school. And I had raked into my backpack all of the mail that had come to that week. And I thought, well, I'm going to be on the plane for a few hours. I'll go through the mail and do my bills and stuff like that. And I opened my visa bill that had all of the expenses from my first quarter of ministerial studies. So it had my tuition, and it had my books, and it had the airline taking me down there, and it had my hotel, and it had my rental car. And I thought, if you'll pardon my French, holy Jesus, how am I going to pay $7,000 for one term at school? So that was the framework of which I entered my first day into ministerial school, right? Now you have the background. But I got to tell you, the class was phenomenal. We were being taught by an 87-year-old minister who had been in ministry for 40 years, and she was on fire. And she instilled in each one of us that immense passion for being in ministry, for sharing the good news of spirituality, for being present, for people willing to have a new way of life. And I was on fire. i got to tell you, all of that was forgotten. 
We took a break. We're in Encinitas, California, uh, just uh, like a quarter of a mile from uh, Yogananda's shrine there in Encinitas, and uh, they called it Yogi Beach because he was the, the yogi there. And so I thought, well, we've got an hour for lunch. I'm just going to grab a sandwich and go walking on the beach. And I got to tell you, it had really changed the way I was thinking about my life. And although in the background there was still this thought of, how am I going to pay for this all? It had really gone into the background. And instead, what I was thinking was really my calling on this planet and who I needed to become in order to really embody and embrace this new way of life for me. Now, I had three years of school to get ready for it. Don't get me wrong. I didn't think I was 100% ready right then. But I could see in the future the power of this teaching and what I could bring to it and the joy that I would feel in it. I was walking down on the beach and a dollar bill floated up on the tide. It was only wet on one side. It looked like a brand new perfect dollar bill. Well, now the human in me, I look up the beach, I look down the beach, who dropped a dollar, right? I was the only person on the beach. The human in me, I reach into my pocket. I was unwilling in that moment to see this as a sign, that message, you don't need to worry. But that was what I ended up having to conclude. It wasn't out of my wallet. When we are on mission, when we feel in our heart that we're authentically being ourselves, doing what we were born to do, the universe will profit you. You don't have to be in that needful place anymore. You don't have to be worried about where money's going to come from, where resources are going to come from. It doesn't matter. They're going to come from wherever they are now. I know that everyone here, everyone within the hearing of my voice, has the ability to bring about something wonderful on this planet whether it's an endearing and loving relationship, whether it's a career that is out of sight, whether it is the joy in raising children, each of you have a reason for being on this planet. And when you are living out that purpose, when you have a sense of who you are and where you are going, you will be blessed in that. So did you notice the shift it wasn't anymore me needing to figure it out. It was me holding on high my ideals. It was me being connected to the true source of all things and feeling as though God were working through me. Now, I know my example is, is a little different because I'm becoming a minister, but it would not be any different if I was becoming a bricklayer. That is still God's work to be done in the world. There is still a passion that can be had around it. It doesn't really matter that it's going to be a minister at the end. God doesn't work that way. I wish God honored me somehow magically more than everybody else. But there's the same amount of God and divinity in every single one of us. And when we approach what we do and who we are as an on-purpose kind of calling or ministry, you will be blessed. It's simply the way God works. God does not respond to our needs. God responds to our passion, to what we can accept 
and embody in our lives. Now, what you'll find if you embark upon this 40-day plan is that Jim Rosemergy understands that. And so this isn't about an unexpected money club. It isn't about trying to measure where you've been financially and things like that. His intent and my intent this month is that you have a closer walk with your own spiritual identity, that you actually and viscerally see yourselves connected to your higher power and blessed and emboldened to move forward in what you uniquely can do on and for and about this planet. Gosh, things are really quiet again. I don't know if it's time <laughs> for another joke or, or, or something. Let me explain my fear about this month. You know, every year we do a series on prosperity, and I think we all get a little bit of an inspirational boost every year when we do this. And many people report that the Unexpected Money Club had them more aware of the blessings in their life, that counting uh, their riches helped them to see the 80% that's going well instead of the 20% that's going wrong, and we make some headway. I'm really urging people, though, this year to do an about-face. Next time you find yourself being in that wishful, needful, hopeful, clinging place, I want you to just stamp your foot and say, that is not the truth of me. I am not missing out in my life because I'm lacking X. I'm not putting my joy on hold because I don't have the partner I want or the the job that I want or the life that I want. I'm not going to be clinging and longing for something that I don't have because, and I'll speak as though I'm speaking to myself, because, Larry, that's going to bring more of it. If I'm pining away, get ready for major pine forest. <laughs> if I'm feeling a lack, get ready for poverty. You know, Jesus, the master teacher, said those that have will be given even more. And those that do not have, meaning in that place of feeling the lack, will have even what they have taken away from them. The master teacher is clear that it is done unto us as we believe. If we believe we're poor, if we believe we're unlovable, if we believe that rich people are evil and so I'm never going to be one of them, well, just get ready then. It is done unto us as we believe. That is how God responds to us. And so I'm hoping this year an about face, not just a little weekly injection of notice that you're doing better than you were last week or last year. I mean, that's a good place to start, I guess. But I think it's time for an about face. So your homework this week, well, some of you I know are going to start the 40-day the plan. So if you're willing to do just slightly more homework than the 40-day plan, I would say, let us be vigilant in turning around those thoughts of need and want and lack. Let us literally stamp our foot when it comes up and says, wait a minute, I am more than that new job. I am already more than having an extra zero on the right side. Is it the right side of my bank account that I want the zero? Yeah, 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 that's right. I am more than that. I will tell you another little secret. When we put a thing or a condition or a desire 
ahead of our connection to God, we have done an interesting thing. So let me use a, another short example here. Have you ever heard someone that seemed to put their whole future based on a thing or an event? They might say something like, when I retire, then I'll really be able to do blah, 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 blah. Or they'll say, when I get that raise, or when I become the next level, you know, when I'm no longer a journeyman and get to be a foreman on the job, then blah, 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 blah. Or when the house is finally paid off, then we can enjoy life. What you are doing, you are saying that that thing or that situation is actually the most important thing in your life. You're going to put your life on hold waiting for that thing. You are in essence saying this thing or this condition is actually more important than God itself. And when you do that, God says, well, okay, all right. Then we'll just wait for you to have that joy until you're retired. I guess we'll just, you've got it figured out, you human. We'll just wait until you get that raise for you to experience the prosperity that you deserve. Now, now, meanwhile, of course, God has an infinite way to make you feel loved. God has an infinite variety of ways that you can be enriched and feel powerful and joyous. And be, oh, no, 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 you're going to wait. It's got to come with that promotion. It can only come when the kids are finally off to college or when, when college is paid for. And oh, wait, when the wedding is paid for. And oh, wait, when you help them with the down payment on their first house is paid for. And oh, wait, for, right? There will always be something when you depend on something. So the other secret this month is to put your true spiritual nature first. So we're going to say no when we feel the lack, you know, big stoplight metaphor here. When, when we're feeling needful and lacking, we're going to say no. And then the shift is, who are you authentically and spiritually? We're going to not look at the solution to your problem as a thing. We're going to look at the solution to your problem as your relationship to God. Because in God, there are no problems. In God, there is only the infinity of life, of love, of joy, and of peace. Okay, a quick uh, summary here, and, and then we'll talk about our 40-day plan. So first of all, God does not respond to our needs. God responds to our beliefs and our expectations. It is done unto us as we believe. A consciousness of need is a consciousness of lack. And a belief in lack will bring more lack. When we put a thing or an experience first as the source of our good, we shut out the infinite supply and variety of God's blessings. I want to read that one again. When we put a thing or an experience first... When we think that's the source of our good, we shut out an infinite variety of other ways that we might be blessed. On the other hand, when we put God first, when we see God as our source, when we see God as our infinite supply, when we see our connection to that infinite being solid and strong, there are no needs anymore. There are no lacks anymore. 
God simply provides whatever is necessary to move forward in God's life. Did you notice my little subtle thing there? Then, when you're in unity with Spirit, it isn't your life anymore as a separate individual struggling in the world to to make it and struggling against neighbors and hoping you're the one that gets the promotion even if it means other people don't and that whole human crazy kind of competition and when you are one with spirit when that unity of being is there all that fades away and god is simply resourcing itself for you to do your divine work in the world oh my gosh it's magical thank you thank you could we i know i know it'd be frivolous but could we have a tent one sunday i i i know we did many years ago actually while they were building the sanctuary here we were in a tent but i don't think we approached it with that revival feeling of spirit being in the room all right so uh, a, a quick 40-day plan and a prayer i just want to give you a sample of the plans in here so this is day one of the 40-day plan i cannot prosper alone no one can without a relationship with the divine there is no well-being no security now hundreds of people may work with me but unless i am in partnership with spirit true prosperity is a dream so beginning today i build a partnership with god spirit is my full partner an infinite wisdom is guiding me all the resources necessary for my success are available always to me i have no fear because god is my partner in the world before someone becomes a partner an off-tip of partnership is made and then it says in the space below write an invitation an actual invitation to god to become your partner in life and be sure to include what you are willing to give to the partnership so that's just a sample of the 40-day plan you'll see it doesn't have that much to do in a way with finances it has to do with freedom it has to do with your connection to your higher power so let us pray there is one power one presence one life there is but this one thing and in the container of this one thing is all all the love all the joy all the freedom all the prosperity it's all in god and because that god this one thing is everywhere i know that includes me i know it includes my life my life squarely in the middle of all of that love all of that joy all of that peace all of that abundance and so i recognize the blessing that is my life and as i recognize it as i accept it it expands it is done unto me as i believe and so i see myself squarely firmly powerfully in the midst of god's bounty as it is true for me i know it is true for each person in this room each of us within the hearing of my voice and beyond has the capability of accepting more good into their lives by seeing themselves in the midst of that good god is giving god is loving 
And as we know that this is true for us, as we have the acceptance of God's good in our life, it is magnified and expands. God is not here to meet needs. God is to help us soar, to help us fly. And so for this, for this I give great thanks. For this I I recognize in day-to-day living the wondrous nature and gratitude of all things. And so I release my prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself, I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. So thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.